With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Warning. This show contains adult political themes and language. Liberals and little children should cover their ears. Welcome to Liberty Never Sleeps, where negativity never sounded so good. Now here's your host, Thomas Purcell. Good morning and welcome to Liberty Never Sleeps. Make sure to follow the show at our website at libertyneversleeps.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Liberty Time. And now you can watch the live video feed at Real Liberty Never Sleeps on Facebook.com. Good morning. We've got to talk about that Mueller presser today. I mean, I... I, I could not believe that. I could not believe that a special investigator, a representative of the United States government who's supposed to represent justice, right? The Department of Justice comes out and says basically nothing. That the president, we have no evidence on the president. We have no evidence of a crime, but he's guilty of something. It's an outrageous abuse of power. It really is. And we're, we're going to talk about it. But before we do, as you well know, I have a history with retail. Years ago, I did retail management. I then did a couple of years of when I first moved to Arizona, when I was shifting from, from what I wanted to do, from what I did do to what I wanted to do, which is get into a, a more office environment. I, I, I wanted to get out of anything involving customer service and stuff. I wanted to get out of retail. In other words, I was a retail manager for years. And I was senior management. And, and, and I... So I, I want to talk about something I saw. I saw a video and I posted it to Facebook about what Amazon is planning with how they're going to deliver packages. Now, I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if the video is real. Sure looked real. You know, nowadays you could fake things, but it showed a prototype of a Amazon. I'm assuming it's real. Cause it's been shared with everybody and, and now, and there's all kinds of comments on it on the internet. So I'm assuming that it's real. When Amazon delivers packages, it's always looking for new ways and, and better ways to get packages faster to you and more efficiently. And we had all know there've been many stories about Amazon trying to develop a drone delivery service. As a matter of fact, they are way ahead on this. They've invested enormous amounts of money on drone technology and the ability to deliver packages through drones. As you well know, drones are little robotic buzz helicopter things. And they've developed a drone program to deliver your packages. Now, I, when I first heard this, I thought about it a second. And I was not as forward thinking as Amazon. I said to myself, well, how are you going to do that? How are you going to get a situation where people aren't knocking the things out of the sky, people aren't stealing the packages. How are you going to get the FAA on board with this? How are you going to have that many drones flying in and out of your fulfillment center and do it in an efficient way? I, I couldn't imagine it. I, I said to myself, that's not going to work because if you have all those delivery packages going in and out, how do you, how do you have people put the package on the drone. Isn't that a little time consuming an individual drone for each package? How would that, how would that work? Right? They figured it out apparently, or at least somebody did it and made the video. Amazon had this you in the video had this huge dirigible. That's what it is. Not a blimp. It's dirigible, which is a rigid structure. It floats filled with air. Well, it's filled with helium, not hydrogen. We know what happens when you fill it with hydrogen, don't we? Don't we? So they filled this blimp, basically a Goodyear blimp, 
And apparently the blimp is loaded with packages, boxes, you know, to deliver to, to people's homes and drones. And the dirigible floats along and the drones fly out of the dirigible with the package, assuming to your home, and then fly back to the mothership. I never thought about doing it that way. Honest to God, it never occurred to me. I'm a pretty smart guy. It never occurred to me that it's the most efficient way to do it because you don't want all those millions of drones going to all your packages because Amazon delivers a ton of packages in any city at any given day and having flying to a facility because you can't, how do you do it? Would, you would clog up airspace, for, for instance. You would have too many of these things flying all over. It would be too risky to have the drone fly to it with a package on board. So this is what it does. The, the mothership has all the packages. Like, you know, big Goodyear blimp. You, know, you can load a blimp with a quite a few little packages. You know, the average package size is about this, right? So you figure, well, we'll put them in a blimp, and then the blimp will float along in a delivery zone because that'll go back to the Amazon. And they'll load it up just like a truck, just like a huge delivery truck, a semi-truck. And then it'll just float along above the houses at a reasonable height because the blimp doesn't have to go very high. There's airspace cleared for the blimp. You know, when you have the Goodyear blimp or a helicopter, they have a certain airspace that's cleared for that. You fly at that level. And then airlines are above, or passenger planes are above that, and then multi-jumbo jet airlines are even higher. That's how it works. There's airspace. So they've already figured it out. The blimp floats along and just goes along a delivery route, you know, a, a neighborhood at a time. And then the little drones take a little package out, go right down to a house and come back up. It's brilliant. Now, as I said, I don't know if the video is real. I'm assuming it's real. It looks real to me. If it's not real, it's certainly an idea that Amazon was going to uh, would be looking at or using. And I thought, I thought to myself, the marvel of technology. You know, you see, the thing is, is when people say all the time, "There's no money to be made. There's no new things that need to be invented." I hear this all the time, particularly from the left. I say, you don't know how many ways an expansion of technology is going to change your life because you can't think of it. People say to me all the time, oh, robots are going to put all these people out of work. All of these delivery drivers will now be out of work because drones will be doing it. Yeah, but you still need people to make and manufacture the blimp, the drones, the technology. Technology expands jobs and opportunities. And what it does is eliminate lower quality jobs, you know, guys putting packages in a car and then delivering it and replaces it with high technology, higher paying jobs. Things like manufacture the drones, replacement of the drones, fixing the drones, robotic technology, building the blimps. There's all kinds of technology. And the way it expands our life is amazing. Think about that. Do you think about how retail works? For instance, the traditional way was when I was doing it back in Macy's day. They have a store. They fill it with merchandise and then you choose from the merchandise and you go and you put it in your car and you drive away. It's completely passe. Completely. They completely eliminate the, the, the need for department stores, malls, et cetera, with, that, with these kind of things like an Amazon blimp with your own delivery. You completely eliminate the need of, of having to deal with customer service, crowds, lines, et cetera, or the fact that you maybe could, can't, aren't, can't get to a mall. You don't have transportation. You're crippled. You're disabled or whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that life is made better by technology. And I was watching this video and I was marveling and I said, this guy reinvented retail. And then I looked up how many transactions Amazon does in a day compared to an average department store chain like Macy's, which is the biggest and Dillard's and, and some of these other chains or, or I don't know, pick a, a retail store chain, Crate and Barrel, Pottery Barn, whatever. And it absolutely dwarfs it. And it just goes to show you, and think about this a second, how much money that these department stores and retail chains were leaving on the table for Amazon to scoop up. And then, of course, naturally, as Amazon became bigger and powerful and, and, and is doing these all kinds of exotic technology, they're thinking ahead. Whereas the department stores are still thinking in the old manner. Sears, as I said, JCPenney, they still are hoping for a good season. Every time I hear these stories about Sears hoping for a good Christmas season, I go, you, you guys have completely lost it. And then you see a film of Amazon with a blimp delivering things. And you say, these guys are at the cutting edge of retail. 
and that's why they that's why they're getting all these billions of dollars. They didn't steal it from anybody. They didn't exploit it at all. What they did was scoop up money that was there all the time because of why? Technology and inventive thinking. It had nothing to do with scamming tax money. It had nothing to do with ripping off people, destroying Main Street. That's a complete nonsense and a complete fiction. I can tell you why Amazon is rich. I can tell you why Jeff Bezos is rich. Because I'm watching a film where they're delivering your friggin' packages by a blimp with a drone. They're thinking of new and innovative and more efficient ways that they can get packages to you, your purchases. They're offering more merchandise at lower prices and consistently better service. That's real customer service, not smiling at you at a counter and quoting policy about why you can't get or do something. That's real customer service. And it really is America in a nutshell. The left versus the right. Left's always telling you, no, you can't make new money. No, you, you only make money when you exploit from all these evil billionaires. And the right wing and private industry and not government is developing new and innovative ways to build an economy. That's there, right there in a nutshell. And I want to talk about that division in society because that's what's behind this whole Mueller thing. It's what is behind the abortion argument. It's a nation divided. And I'm going to tell you how. And what's going on in this society? It, it's more than just left wing, right wing. It's more than just I hate Trump. I like Trump. It's about a mentality and a concept. About responsibility, about private industry, about forward thinking. That's the difference in our society. And there's half of the people in the world that are the naysayers. And there are half of the people that are moving forward. And I want to be part of the group that's moving forward, not the the the. The, the people who say, oh, no, uh, everything is a complete lie. It's a male narrative. It's it's this, it's that. I'm not, I'm, I don't want to be part of that. I want to be part of the group that's coming up with blimps delivering drones with packages. Anyway, we got to move on. I want to talk about the Mueller investigation and, and outrageous of what happened yesterday when Mueller came out and made a speech which basically said nothing and just to stir the pot. We'll be right My back. Line gets cast into this time. There's something back there that you left behind Oh, time passages Buy me a ticket on the last... And we're back. As you well know, there has been a call for Robert Mueller to address Congress on his investigation report. Mueller issued an investigative report, which basically said nothing. That we spent two years of the taxpayer money. We could not find any evidence of crime on Donald Trump, but that doesn't prove his exoneration. And we've issued indictments of people that were found to be breaking the law. Paul Manafort, Michael Cohen, et cetera, et cetera. You know the story. And then he handed it to Attorney General Barr, and Barr said, well, if you haven't got any evidence, we're not going to f- follow the, ev- the, the issue further. This is common with an attorney general in a crime. I'll give you an example, which at, the left is holding up all the time, Jesse Smollett. Jesse Smollett was accused of a fake race-hate crime. He said, two people with MAG hats beat me up, and the police did an investigation. And they turned it over to the attorney general. They said, all this evidence is there. But it's going to be, and the attorney general made a decision. Well, there was a good legal argument that he could present, which would make it difficult to prove in a court of law that he was guilty of something. He could always claim that he was paying these two men not to beat him up, but instead for lessons or whatever he was, yoga lessons, I don't know, whatever Mickey Mouse story was made up. And so everyone had to let it go. Jesse Smollett walked. So now when Mueller issues his report that basically says the same thing, says, well, Donald Trump really didn't do anything. There's no evidence of it. You couldn't prove it in a court of law. The attorney general of the United States said the same thing. Well, if you can't prove it in the court of law and and there's no evidence, he walks. We're not going to pursue the case further. It's a waste of time and a waste of taxpayer money. Now everybody's outraged all of a sudden. If it's okay in Jesse Small, where there's a presumption of evidence and a real crime happened, 
and he gets to walk, why is it the same legal precedent not apply in the case of the Mueller investigation? How come? Well, because it's Trump. Because of Trump. Mueller presented this report. Attorney General Barr addressed Congress, says, well, there's no evidence of anything. We can't prove anything. Mueller said it doesn't exonerate him. In other words, in the report, it says Mueller said, well, we, we have no evidence of a crime, but he did something. We think there's there could be something there. It's up to Congress to decide what to do, which is a fair report. OK. It's up for Congress to do whatever it wants with this. We couldn't prove any crime. There's no evidence of it. No evidence of collusion. Those people who broke the law, we issued indictments. There are no indictments going to be issued. It's not an option. It's the president of the United States. It's a political issue. Do you like him as president or not? An attorney general's bar basically says, no, we're going to let the ballot box handle it. We're not going to prosecute. We have nothing to prosecute on. We have no evidence. We can't go into court of law. What do you go into court of law? You didn't break the law. That's how the legal system in America works. You have to have evidence. And that's how an attorney general in any state of the union, in any jurisdiction, looks at a case. Do we have evidence of a crime? No. Then we don't prosecute. We let him go. Even if we think he did something, that's not, that's not how we works in America. That's why we have a system where justice is blind, where we have evidence. Evidence is presented in a trial and a jury makes a decision. And if the attorney general doesn't have any evidence, he's not going to go to trial. Because what do you do in a courtroom? Well, he did something. And the jury will say, well, what did he do? Well, we don't know. That's why he does it that way. So all this went down. Attorney General made his And everybody was outraged. Everybody was outraged because they all counted on Mueller to do their work. Get Trump. They haven't could. They couldn't do it politically. They couldn't do it by telling you lies in the fake news. They couldn't do it with mainstream news media. Trump is more popular than he ever was. He fills stadiums. Meanwhile, people like Biden are filling classrooms. I saw, I don't know how many times I've seen the opposition candidates. What are they? They're in a classroom somewhere. They're in a library room. I mean, for God's sakes, I can fill a library room. All right. If I was to issue a report, I'm going to have, I'll be at this library and I'll be talking to people. You can bet, you can bet that I would fill at least 20 or 30 people. That's all these guys are running for president with. Pete Budgig is a mayor of a small town. He's running for president. How is that possible? So anyway, the Democrats know they're losing the argument. Somebody put Mueller up to going in front of a podium and basically making a presser. I have never heard of a special investigator doing a presser and saying, no, we don't have any evidence. Why are you out there? You issued a report. You didn't say anything in that presser that wasn't in that report. You said in the presser, no, we have no evidence. No, we, we don't know. There were no indictments. That's not a blah, blah, blah. And then you make innuendo and accusation. But we think, but we could have been. That's not how our justice system works. And all Mueller did was stir the pot up again and make an accusation about a man that they have no evidence of any corruption or any crime. This is an outrageous miscarriage of justice. This is not how we do things in America. In America, we do investigations, and then we file a report, and then we say, is there evidence of a crime? In the case of the last time this happened with Ken Starr, Ken Starr came out and said, no, we have evidence of a crime. President Clinton committed perjury on the stand of a civil trial. It's up for Congress to decide what to do next. There was evidence of a crime, the crime being perjury had nothing to do with Monica Lewinsky. It had nothing to do with sex in the Oval Office. It had everything to do with responsibility, evidence, and proving things. And Congress acted. They said, well, we have to impeach him. He committed a crime. He's the head law enforcement officer of this nation, and he committed perjury in the stand on the civil case. And then the Senate made a decision. Well, in this kind of a situation, in the civil case, it doesn't constitute a high crime and misdemeanor of the office of the White House because it doesn't constitute a violation of his oath of office. He said this does not affect the average citizen. And it's a, it's a reasonable argument for removal. You don't remove a president over something that he may have done in a civil trial. That's, that's the precedent that was set. Well, now all of a sudden, years later, when Donald Trump becomes president and they don't like him for whatever reason— whatever, probably because Hillary Clinton, they decide to do an investigation saying that somehow he's in collusion with Russians. 
that he is a false president, that he is an illegitimate president. And they did an investigation, two years, literally, which began shortly after his presidency. Literally, they've been investigating him as long as he's been running for president, if you think about it, when you consider the fact that they were eavesdropping on his conversations as he was running for president. He's been investigated from the day he walked down the escalator, for God's sakes. And then after all this money and after all this time, what do we got? Well, we don't have any evidence, but he's still guilty of something. What? Show me the evidence. If you've got evidence of a president being guilty of a crime, we all would like to know, right and left. Give me some. Well, he maybe, maybe he did some. Maybe Congress should continue. So Congress is now going to do what? Investigate further. Nan- and Nancy Pelosi's behind it too. Don't give pull pull that shit. Oh well, you know we're going to try and we're going to look at things, but we're not looking at impeachment. You're full of shit, Nancy. You're behind all this. You're prodding Congress and you're trying to promote something. You're trying to remove a president for office, but for political reasons. And that's not what our Constitution says. What is the high crime and misdemeanor Donald Trump is guilty of? We don't have any evidence of it. So why are you moving forward with impeachment? Why are you even considering it? Why are you continuing to investigate? Do you think you're going to find anything that Robert Mueller, who at the power of the pre- of the special investigator's office, is going to find? Of course not. This is an outrageous outrageous abuse of power. This is big government at its worst. They have decided they don't like an average citizen becoming president. They don't like somebody from private industry who has no government experience sitting in the Oval Office and squatting on what they think is their seat instead of the American people's. That's what's really going on here. That's why Robert Mueller is banned. And I'll tell you something else. Somebody put Mueller up to it. Mueller is a career FBI agent. He's an honorable man. Insofar as what he has, he knows the role, the responsibility of the office. That's why he didn't manufacture evidence. He said, I can't find anything. He was sent with the mission to destroy Trump. And he said, he went back to whoever's giving him the orders and said, I haven't found anything. I couldn't find anything. I'm sorry. I did my best. And then he produced his report and gave it to Attorney General Barr. And now it's been dying down. The furor and the anger of Trump and the investigation, the Mueller investigation, which they all were pinning hopes on, was dying down. They weren't going to be able to impeach. There was no evidence. Somebody prodded Mueller to go out and go and make a press conference and stir things up again. Somebody did. Somebody is behind this. I'm not a fucking idiot. I know full well there is no way Robert Mueller on his own did that. That's bullshit. Him to just decide, well, I'm going to wake up one day and I'm going to go in front of the press and basically get this country fighting again. Because that's all that press conference will do. The left will read it one way. The right will read it another. And everybody will be at each other's throats again. Somebody is prodding him to do that. And I'm telling you something else. Just from my own instinct and my own knowledge of human psychology. It's a woman's argument. I'm telling you the Hillary Clinton. Somebody around Hillary Clinton or Hillary Clinton herself said, get him out there. Because this investigation is dying down. And, they, and Attorney General Barr is looking into everybody. And she's going to get around to something I did. I'm telling you, that's what it is. That's what my instinct tells me. And so Robert Mueller goes out and basically says the same thing that it was in the report. And it didn't sit with Robert Mueller very well. And you know how I know? Because he wouldn't testify before Congress because he said in the same press conference, and now I'm retiring to private life. It sickened him what he had to do. And I don't know what motivated him to do it. Somebody is pulling his strings for whatever reason. I don't know how. I'm telling you. Because I don't know human nature. And nobody who does what he did in his career and his life and what his life is stand for would go out and do something like that and tear this nation apart without somebody putting the screws to him. I don't believe that for a second. Somebody is pushing him. And it sickened him. It sickened him so much that he said, uh, or here's what I'm going to say one last time, which is the same thing the Mueller report. He wouldn't violate... He wouldn't make shit up. And then it sickened him so much as now I'm going to retire to private life. I'm now I'm going to walk away from this whole thing because that's probably what he told whoever's pulling his strings. He told whoever's pulling, I'm not doing that. I'm not lying about the president. I'm not, I'm not making shit up. You got to get out there. You got to do this. You got to do this one last favor for me. All right. I'll do this one last thing. I'll have a press conference. I'll stir the pot up again, but I'm that's it. I'm out. I'm done. That's what happened yesterday. 
That's what I read into it. You know, the left is, is going left and right. Well, you got to read into his words. Well, I'm telling you this. I'm reading into his words too. And I know human psychology is better than anybody. And I'm telling you, somebody's pulling his strings and somebody got him to move that and somebody got him to do that presser. And then he got sickened by it. That tells me something. He's not happy. If he, if he believed that the president of the United States was guilty of a crime, he would have said so in his report. He would have provided evidence and he would have testified before Congress and he would have allowed people to put him to questioning. He didn't want to do that. He knew that if he testified before Congress, it's a very big thing. He didn't want to allow people to put questions because he knew if somebody puts questions to me, if or a number of senators and congressmen start questioning me about this, I'm going to trip myself up. And I'm going to end up in jail with the rest of them when Attorney General Barr gets around to doing it. So I don't want to do that. It, it speaks actually well of Robert Mueller. He knew. Somebody's putting the screws to him. It's not his fault. I'm, it's my instinct. Anyway, I, I just am appalled at the fact that the enti- half this country is willing to condemn a man without any evidence of guilt. That beyond say what you will about politics. If somebody is guilty of a crime, show me the evidence. If he's not, then go away. That's how I believe justice works. That's how our constitution is set up. Provide the evidence. A man is innocent until proven guilty. And in order to prove somebody guilty of a crime, any crime, small or great, You have to show evidence. And there wasn't any that Robert Mueller could point to. Just innuendo. And that's what's motivating this whole thing. And the left is reading it like, well, he said he was guilty. Yeah, but what's the proof? That's how our justice system works. That's how it's worked for 200 some odd years. Ken Starr's investigation showed proof. Show videotape of the president, President Clinton. Show me the proof on Donald Trump. And I don't want no more innuendo because it's tearing this country apart. And another thing that's tearing this country apart is the abortion argument. Let's talk about that next. We'll be right back. And there's no telling who that it's naming. Was the loser now will be later to win for the times they are changing. Another thing that's dividing this country is the abortion debate. What is the abortion debate about? Well, it's about when life begins. The Supreme Court in Roe versus Wade said through an interpretation of the 14th Amendment, the right of privacy essentially exists between a doctor and a woman. And therefore, an abortion procedure should be kept confidential and not a matter of law enforcement. That was the the legal reasoning. And they also said in that legal reasoning that because of that existence of the confidentiality of someone's health and in regards to their doctor, there also is the risk of certain crimes being perpetrated against public and the state. And so therefore, the state must issue laws and regulations balancing. There must be a balancing act to protect the life of an infant. For instance, It was obvious from the Roe versus Wade decision, if you read it like no one has, that the Supreme Court justices were concerned about somebody killing an infant at the time time of birth or shortly before birth. They were absolutely concerned about it. They said it. And they said there must got to be a balancing act. And so that means states had to act through regulation. And generally the regulation was at a certain point, like second trimester, where they didn't allow late-term abortions in many cases in states, and most people were fine with that. There was a shift in the Supreme Court recently. Some can say it was further right. I say it's more libertarian-oriented, as, re- as evidenced by the recent court decisions, but that be that as it may. States have decided to tighten up regulations on abortions. It's become more of a hot-button issue. As the country has become more divided politically, it's also became more divided on the issue of abortion. And states are starting to reduce the limits on abortion down to six to eight weeks. The heartbeat fetal law is what we're all talking about. When a fetus has the heartbeat, in other words, functioning organs, that constitutes life. And so therefore, abortion will not be allowed past that point, six to eight weeks. 
The problem is, is you might not know you're pregnant until about 60 weeks. So it, it leaves a very narrow window. And the left legally is arguing that narrow window is too narrow for women. And that constitutes effectively a ban on abortion. Okay, that's something that's got to be decided by the Supreme Court again, because nobody understands the 10th Amendment, which is that each state can decide what it has to do in its state with the limit being unless it's prohibited by constitution or prohibited by the people. In other words, if your state wants abortion, it can have it. If it doesn't want abortion, it can limit it in certain ways. It can't outrightly ban it because of the Roe versus Wade. There's a certain issue of involving the 14th Amendment. Abortion is not a constitutional right. It's a numerated right, basically an interpretation of the 14th Amendment. It is not a constitutional right. And so, therefore, states have a right to regulate it. That's a legal precedent that goes back to the founding of the nation. Tenth Amendment takes precedence. If Alabama wants to limit abortion eight weeks, it can. The question is, is that regulation too tight? Now, I have said publicly many times that bringing a case to the Supreme Court in this manner is dangerous. Because if you bring a court with a a narrow law like that, a tight law, eight weeks, six, eight weeks, you're risking the Supreme Court saying no, You can't do that. You can't make laws like that and therefore expanding Roe versus Wade instead of contracting it. It's risky. Despite what you may think about abortion, despite what you may, and you know where I stand on it. I believe life begins at conception. This is a risky move, especially with this court. It's not, this court is a little bit more libertarian oriented, a little bit more pro-privacy oriented, and this may blow up in their face. Put that aside a second. There's also a second element to these abortion laws. Most of these fetal heartbeat laws that are now being passed that are tightening up abortion really narrow levels are saying we're not going to make exceptions in the case of rape or incest. This is a fairly, considering the debate and where our country is right now, it's a fairly far right-wing conservative ideology. That even if a woman is raped and a pregnancy results at the result of rape, they have to bring that baby to term. For the long time, this nation has allowed exceptions for rape and incest, child molestation, that kind of thing. It's what happens with incest usually in most cases. And people don't want putting a woman through that the, uh, the, the rigors of a pregnancy over a rape. They didn't want to extend the crime beyond the moment of the crime into a nine-month ordeal. I understand that. I understand the horror of having to bring a child to term that is the result of a rape. But at the same time, you have to consider something else. And the argument has been, well, we can't kill a child because of the crimes of the father. Okay, I, I get that legal argument. But why... If a child as a result of a rape, why is that such a horrible thing? Well, the theory and thinking is, therefore, it's the child of a rapist, correct? So essentially, you're arguing for eugenics. You're saying that a child conceived by a rapist is somehow not quite a desirable child as that of a a marriage born of love. Is that what you're saying? Are you saying that a child, because of his genetics, may potentially be lesser worth? You know, that child is half mothers too, genetically. It's exactly identically, 50% the mother and 50% the father. Is that your argument? Because if it is, it's an argument about eugenics. You're saying that that child is somehow a lesser human being because the father was a rapist? The father was a pedophile and was a child molester and an incestuous SOB. Is that what you're saying? That the child is automatically somehow not quite as human? Because it would have to be. Because if you're arguing that, oh, that's a ridiculous argument. If you're saying that, no, a child is nothing like the father because of his genetics, because that's the only way, the only viable connection that you can make between the rapist father and the child. If you're saying that, well, that's not my argument. Well, then that is a human being. 
as equal to you or anyone else and then deserves constitutional rights. This is the argument why we've abandoned the idea of eugenics. Because the idea of eugenics is that someone is a better person because of their genes, because of their heritage, because of who their parentage is. We rejected that when we fought a revolution in 1776. We said, no, the king is no better than anyone else. There's no such thing as nobility. We don't even want it here. It says that in our constitution. So now if you're saying that a child of a rapist is somehow damaged or genetically uh, linked to the father, and the child himself may be evil or corrupt or a criminal. Then you're believing in eugenics again. Then you're in, in inserting that into the argument and inserting it into the legal precedent, aren't you? Do we really want to go down that path? And yes, I totally agree that it will be an unpleasant experience for the mother. Absolutely. But if you argue that a child of a rapist is somehow less of an individual of a child born of love, then you're beginning to go down the path of Nazism and the path of eugenics, and we know where that will lead. If you don't want to raise the child, completely understand. Adoption agencies adopt children out all the time. There's no reason why that can't happen, why a child can't be given up for adoption. Because as you all know, in, in America, the adoption laws are very strict. You can't reveal to the adoptive parents what the past history of the child is because then people won't adopt a child of a rape. A child, a human being, is the product of proper raising, not genetics. Who a person becomes is because of the parents, their discipline, their ethics, their morals what they teach the child. It is not a result or functional result of, the, of genetics. I don't care what anyone says. A child of a criminal can become something better in society because of how they are raised or how they are brought into this world, not because of who they were born. And if you're arguing that, that a child should be aborted because it's the child of a rapist, then you're beginning the path down to eugenics. Why not abort children who are the children of people who are undesirable in society? Why not abort any child for that reason? Why not abort anybody who's an undesirable? Because then it goes down the bed. Well, you know what? A child born with brown hair is not as desirable as a blonde hair because it will get like that. That's how it began in Nazi Germany. Arguing for eugenics is deleterious to a society. You start aborting people left and right. Well, that person really wasn't a good person. He was somebody who didn't pay his bills. He, he was mean to his, you know, somebody else. Well, let's abort the child. Well, his thinking isn't quite in line with the political narrative today. That person was a racist. His dad was a Nazi. His dad was a skinhead. His dad was a, a communist. His dad was a leftist. His dad was a, his, let's abort that child or the mother. Well, the mother wasn't such a good person. Mother was prob problems with the bills. The mother was a white supremacist. We don't want to have those children in our society. See where it goes? So I'm not going to make the decision here and today of what the Supreme Court should or should not do. You know where I stand on it. I've done a number of shows. On Life Begins at Conception. Nobody gets an abortion. But our Constitution and our states have decided otherwise. Okay, I can live with that. Because we have a system and a process to change that. We can amend the Constitution. We can propose state laws. Those laws can be as narrow or as wide as that state sees fit. I, I agree. Okay. That, I can live with that. There are some people that can't. But take this before I close down this segment. If you do this, if you say that there has to be exceptions for rape and incest. If you say there have to be exceptions, then you will go down the path of eugenics and it will divide this nation even further. Let's take a break. I got to talk about this division in society. We'll be right back.
our nation is divided badly. It's very polarized. I haven't seen it polarized like this. Well, I shouldn't say I haven't seen it. It hasn't been this polarized since the Civil War. But oddly enough, when the nation was polarized because of slavery, it was very cut and dry, wasn't it? It was a single issue. States' rights, slavery. We all knew. I mean, there were different subtle differences between those above the Mason-Dixon line and those below. But really, that's what the argument was about. And they picked up guns and they started fighting and millions of people died. Literally. It's like a million plus died casualties in the Civil War. Not even counting the injuries and other subsequent deaths from the Civil War. Our nation is badly as divided as that. Half this nation thinks one thing, half the other. It's not just about right versus left. If it was about right versus left, that would be manageable. That's the division that's been in America for 200 years. Should there be more government? Should there be less? If you want more government, you vote liberal. If you want less, you want a conservative. And really, there were subtleties and differences between it. But the right and left seemed to manage just fine. They seemed to get along. Ronald Reagan played golf with Tip O'Neill. Correct? That is changing. Because the argument now is not really right and left, is it? Everyone seems to be divided on certain issues. No matter what the issue is. Abortion. Donald Trump. Entitlements. Foreign nations. NATO. I can give you a hundred different subjects we've done on this show. And it always comes down to right versus left. And it's interesting. The right always takes one particular argument and the left always takes the side. Don't you find that interesting? You know how a left wing person is going to view an issue and you know how a right before you even discuss the issue. And why is that? Why is the nation becoming survival? Well, some people say it's social media. Some people say it's because the divisions in society have grown to a certain point that it's come to a tipping point. Okay. But there's something else going on here. And it goes back to what we were kind of talking about in abortion. It goes back to the way we are raised and the way we view individuality, the way we view what a person's rights are, our understanding and whatnot. But it really boils down to very one really simple issue. Were you raised to believe in self-reliance and responsibility or weren't you? Were you given a trophy for participating or were you giving a trophy for winning? And it's really as subtle as that. Very subtle. Were you raised to believe that everything is your fault or everything is not your fault? That's really the argument. Everything is not your fault. You get a trophy for participating. You're good no matter what. Self-esteem. You're going to get an A no matter what. We now have a 5.0 grade point average. How's that hustle? A, B, C, D, F. A is... 4.0, B is 3.0, C is 2.0, D is 1.0, F is 0.0. Very simple system. How come we got a five-point system now? Well, extra credit, AP. In other words, what? What is it? Great inflation. We've talked about that on this show a number of times. You're saying that the child is not responsible for poor behavior, for poor results, aren't you? You're not, you're not at fault. Not doing your homework, not learning the problem. It's okay. No one wants to say you're a little slow. No one wants to say you're not a little fat. You're not fast. You're not competitive in athletic sports. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody's good. Everybody's wonderful. And then they hit real world and Hillary Clinton loses. Things don't work out as expected in life. You become ill. You make mistakes and decisions, financial decisions, where you went to college, what you did in life. And no one wants to set responsibility for it. And if you're a left-wing person, you don't, you think that. Well, it's not your fault. It's not your fault you got pregnant. Go ahead and absolve yourself of the responsibilities of pregnancy. Get an abortion. It's not your fault that this happened to you, that you got unhealthy, that you got sick. 
will society will take care of it. You, even though you, it was your problem, not buying insurance and not protecting yourself and not preparing for the eventuality of a rainy day, that rainy day will be fixed by government. That's the left. You're not at fault. The right wing argument is different about responsibility, isn't it? Everything is your fault. Everything is a result of your decision. You got pregnant when you shouldn't have been sleeping around. Well, you got sick and now you got nobody to take care of you. Well, you should have bought insurance. Well, you got in credit card debt and you're in and you're in a serious situation and you need to get bailed out. Well, sorry, that's your problem. You have to go bankrupt. And you have to suffer the consequence of bankruptcy, seven years of being able to live on cash alone, essentially what it is, until you prove yourself worthy back to society. That's really what it's all about, isn't it? The central argument. You're either at fault or you don't. And guess what? Society, how we raise our children is about the same. Half of the people of the world think of corporal punishment, holding people responsible. You pay for it. You earn your allowance. And the other half gives you allowance for free. It's not your fault. And now they're growing up. And they're becoming functional members of society. And guess what? They're talking about politics and everything else in that same context. It's your fault. It's not your fault. And our society has shifted over the years, hasn't it? Used to be, you were raised, everything's your fault. Everything's your responsibility. You got to tough it out. You're going to have to deal with your problems. You're going to have to rebuild that house yourself. You're going to have to rebuild your credit that yourself. You're going to have to deal and have raise that child yourself. Life's not fair. That's the way the bulk of society raised for a long time. And it shifted. Because experts told us, you know what? That's doing damage to your society. Your society is becoming lesser for it. And we need to stop that. We need to start building children's self-esteem. We need to start stop corporal punishment. We need to stop telling kids that they're wrong. We need to stop disciplining our children, that we're building bad, we're bad people. We're building a society of abusers and haters and racists. So we're going to go the other way. And now it's shifted. And so is society, hasn't it? as we become more reliant on government, on entitlements and other things. Now it's up to you to decide whether that's a good thing or bad. I'm just telling you that it's the way it is. And so now with that shift has swung, guess what? So is our politics and so is the way people look at things. It's not Hillary Clinton's fault she lost. What does Hillary Clinton herself say? It's not my fault. It was Russian collusion. It's not my fault I insulted half of the Ohio River Valley. And half of the Ohio River Valley has said, what? It is your fault. We don't want to build solar panels. We don't know how to code. We're going to do what? We're going to mine coal because it works. We're going to look at facts. That's the division, everything. That's what it's all about. The way we're raising our kids, the way we're educating our people. What's right and wrong in society? Well, Donald Trump is guilty. Donald Trump is guilty even though there's no evidence because why? Children are being raised to, to learn what in school? They haven't learned civics. They haven't learned basic law. They haven't learned about justice. They haven't learned anything. Everybody gets a trophy. And so there's a whole lot of people that have grown up and have now relating that to the Mueller investigation. Donald Trump is guilty. Why? Because he said so. That's really what it comes down to, because he said so. Because they don't understand civics. Well, we have to impeach the president. How come? Because he said so. Because that's the way our education system works. How does our education system work? Something is true because the professor said so. Nobody questions it. This is the textbook. A lot of textbooks are guess are written by what? Guess who? The professor. And everything is right because why? Because we were told that. There's a newspaper article, which we're going to talk about next. Donald Trump is so-and-so because the newspaper said so. And only people who work for that newspaper are journalists. It's not my fault the newspaper said it. It's not my fault the professor said it. You get into an argument with somebody, here's a link to a, a website where a columnist said something. That's how our society is divided now. That's why our society is so divided, because it's a black and white issue. You're either responsible for yourself or you're not. That's what's going on, folks, at its core level. 
That's what's causing the division in our society. It's this move toward weakening an individual's responsibility, role in society. When you're born into this world, you have a debt to your fellow man around you. And it ain't charity. Your debt is being a responsible contributor to society. We're now raised to say, you don't have that debt. You're not responsible for anything. If something goes wrong in your life, it's because you were an abused child. Because so-and-so did this to you. Not your fault. If you're not fast, if you're not the track and field champion, it's not your fault. You were just born that way. Instead of, it is your fault because you didn't run every day and work and, and develop your body and develop your skills. No one wants to accept that responsibility. They all want to say, no, you get a trophy anyway. Isn't that good? Make you feel good about yourself. I'm good about myself. And you know what? I'm a narcissist. That's why they're taking all the films on YouTube. That's what liberalism is all about. They ride around in a limousine and say everybody else is wrong because it's not their fault. Not my fault. Society needs to live like me because I am important. I am self-worth. I have esteem. That's the core of the problem, folks. And the only way you're going to address this division in society is not fixing social media. It's not arguing with people on Facebook. It's not left and right. It's not politics. It's one core issue. We got to stop with this at the education, at the core level. That's how we're raising our children. You have to teach your child one thing and one thing only. You are responsible for everything that happens in your life. End of story. And you can either live with it, fix it, or you can blame somebody else and that is, or, and have somebody else bail them out. That's right versus left folks. That's it. Real simple. And it's a simple thing to fix too. Interestingly enough, start raising your child differently. Start encouraging that at the, in the, in the school level. But I don't know if it's going to change. It's an easy fix. But I don't know if we're willing to do what it takes to fix it. That's the key. That means completely reinventing our education system, completely reinventing about how we're raising our children. Otherwise, you're going to continue to go through this. You're going to continue to go through with when somebody loses them screaming and crying about it for years and tearing the country apart over it. We're almost out of time. I got to talk about this story from the Wall Street Journal. Worst case of yellow jail learners I've ever seen. Honest to God. We'll be right back. Okay, we only have a, a little bit of time left. There was a story, and normally I don't talk about one particular news story, but I'm going to in this case. There was a story from the Wall Street Journal that is entitled, this is the title of the, the story, which is another one of these fake news kind of things. White House wanted USS John McCain out of sight during Trump-Japan visit. I said, wow, that's, that's a shitty thing to do. What the hell is that all about? Now, immediately my suspicions became alerted when I noticed that the Wall Street Journal didn't put this article behind the paywall. Now, why did they do that? Now, Wall Street Journal is a paywall site. You have to subscribe to the Wall Street Journal in order to read their articles. And they give you one or two articles for free to get you to entice you. And then it comes up with a pop-up window. If you enjoyed this article, would you like to subscribe to say? They didn't do that with the Wall Street Journal, with this story. Now, why do you think that is? They wanted everyone to read it and everyone to share it. Because if you read and share a story that's under a paywall, people won't read it. People say, well, I don't want to subscribe. They'll just read the headline too. Whilst White House wanted USS John McCain out of sight during Trump visit. And so I started reading the article. The White House, it says, this is how the article starts. White House wanted U.S. Navy to move out of sight the warship John McCain, because there's a ship named the John McCain, ahead of President Trump's visit to Japan according to an email reviewed by the Wall Street Journal. Now, they didn't produce the email. Now, I'm going to assume that the Wall Street is somewhat responsible and did have an email in hand or can produce it. 
if they're so asked to. It says in a May 15th email to United, this is what the article says. I am quoting it verbatim to U.S. Navy and Air Force officials. A U.S. Indo-Pacific command official outlined plans for the president's arrival. That's true. That's what they do. Commanders knew that the president of the United States was going to arrive in the harbor and address people on the ships in the Navy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so the Navy, the command officer in charge says, okay, this is how we got to do things. This is what we got to do. You got to have this ship here. You got to do this. You got to have the sailors on deck, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In this email, the president's plan for arrivals that he had said had resulted from conversations between White House military office, okay, the military office, and the Seventh Fleet of the U.S. Navy, which is the fleet on duty in Japan. In addition to instructions for the proper landing area helicopters in preparation for the USS Wasp, where the president was scheduled to speak, the official issued a third directive. USS John McCain needs to be out of sight. Now, does that say anywhere in the email that the Donald Trump said to put that ship out of sight? No. Does it say anywhere in the email that the White House directed the Navy to direct the USS John McCain to be out of sight because he hates John McCain? No. No. It says, please confirm that number three will be satisfied. There's a reason for it. The John McCain is damaged. It's here at that port for repairs. As a result, it's a mess. The ship has been in a number of parts. It's laid out. There's workmen on it. The naval commander, of course, wanted it out of sight. It looks like a piece of shit. And he doesn't want to remind everyone that the Navy can't steer its own ships. That's what was going on here. Now, when a Navy commander expressed surprise about the directive for the USS John McCain, the U.S. Indo-Pacific Command official, again, not a White House official, replied in the email, First, I heard of it as well. Okay. That's the first I've heard of it. So it came from somewhere, right? But it came from Navy. He said he would work with the White House military office to obtain more information about the order. That information was not supplied by the Wall Street Journal. Acting Defense Secretary Pat Shanahan was aware of the concern of the presence of the USS John McCain in Japan and approved measures to ensure it didn't interfere with the president's visit. Yeah, because the ship can't move. It's under repairs. We don't want it in the proper way. We're going to do a number of things. We're going to have ships moving around. We're going to salute the president. We can't have a ship under repair. Those guys are going to be scurrying all over, right? That only makes sense. There were there are a number of military banners that are strung across, you know, tarps so that you don't see what the workmen are doing. This is a secret ship. You can't have people just looking at what the United States Navy is doing to repair the ship. When traveling in Indonesia on Thursday, Mr. Shanahan said he first heard about the matter from reports in the media. In other words, there was not a discussion in the White House about it. What I read this morning when I first heard about, there were discussions with the U.S. military over the past week about how to handle the warship, another U.S. official said. So the the ship is being repaired after a 2017 collision. Any ship undergoing such repair maintenance would be difficult to move. That's the story. But instead, the Wall Street Journal attempted to say that the president was mad at John McCain or wanted to slight John McCain in some way because, you know, the USS John McCain is all about John McCain, the senator, and attempted to slight the president. That's what they're doing here. They're slandering the United States president, the president of the United States. Then, of course, Donald Trump issued a tweet because he's because he hear about all this scandal, about everybody yelling about it. He says, I was not informed about anything having to do with the Navy ship, John McCain, during my recent visit to Japan. Nevertheless, Flotus, which is First Lady of the United States, and I love being with the military men and women. What a spectacular job to do. Navy loves them. The average sailors walk around with a patch on. As a matter of fact, that was a big, a little bit of a controversy. The members of the WASP, some officials, including officers, were wearing a patch. We love Donald Trump with a picture of Trump's orange-haired face on us. Funny as hell. A tarp was strung over the ship's name ahead of the president's trip. I saw the tarp. It's a construction tarp so that you don't see what's going on behind the construction. It's not to try and conceal the name of the ship. Sailors were directed to remove any coverings from the ship that bore its name. They don't want people to know and be reminded about what? That the Navy can't steer its own fucking ships. That's what. Because you know what happened with the John McCain incident. It was a, a destroyer. And nobody was paying attention and rammed another ship. I think it was a tanker from Japan. They don't want to be reminded of that. Today is a day of celebration about America. 
why be reminded? Why remind the American citizen who may be reviewing this show that they, they would just say that the Navy can't steer its own ships? After the tarp was taken down, a barge was moved closer to the ship, obscuring its name. Now, that's what the Wall Street Journal says, right? Sailors who typically wear a caps-bearing name were given the day off. Yeah, they don't want repairmen all over the place. Now, it says at the bottom of the article, after all of this slander, the tarp was taken down on Saturday, a Navy official said. The paint barge was also removed ahead of the presidential visit, so they weren't obscuring the name after all, were they? said Commander Clayton Doss, a Spox spokesman for the Navy 7th Fleet. Senior Navy officials in, in Hawaii and Japan last week determined the ship should remain in nor normal configuration. Yeah, because it's repairing. We can't remove it. And they removed the barge and they removed the tarp before the president's visit. So how is this somehow Donald Trump doesn't want to see John McCain's name? How? Because why? The Wall Street Journal published the headline. And, and everybody is saying, oh, Donald Trump's such a small guy. He's such a weasel that he wouldn't even allow John McCain. And of course, Megan McCain plays into this like a fucking idiot. She issues a statement. Well, you offended my, my dad again, and he just can't let it go. No, the person that can't let it go is Megan McCain. And the person that can't let it go is the leftist at Wall Street Journal. They are attempting to slight the president and making up a story where none exists. The Navy didn't want to move the ship because it was damaged, and they didn't want to have that ruining the affair. The Navy wants to show its best front forward. I don't want people to be reminded, you know, we had an incident where the guys couldn't even sail the ship straight. And I don't fault the Navy for that. Accidents happen. They happen all the time. This is not the first naval ship that collided with a civilian vessel. But there's no sense reminding everybody of that. It had nothing to do with Donald Trump's rancor from John McCain or vice versa. And, it, and the article goes on and says the White House military office provides support for the presidential travel, among other matters. After the publication of this article, Donald Trump tweeted, I was not informed about everything. Megan McCain, of course, wrote on Twitter, nine months since my dad has passed. Trump won't let him rest in peace. I, I have to stand up for it. It makes my grief unbearable. Megan, stop playing into the leftists at the Wall Street Journal. Stop giving them cannon ammunition to destroy this president. Yeah, we know you don't like him and he doesn't like you. Okay, but don't play into this. You, your response should have been very simple. Hey, listen, the Wall Street Journal is going to do what they do. I don't believe that, that Donald Trump has made an effort to, to destroy my father's name after his death. He even said so. He says, wait a minute, I gave you a funeral. And he only attacks John McCain in response to to reports like this and, and response from Meghan McCain. And then the article goes on to remind everybody that re Mr. Trump repeatedly attacked Mr. McCain, both before he didn't even refer to him as a senator, you bastards. The Wall Street Journal shouldn't say Mr. Trump repeatedly attacked Mr. McCain. President Trump has repeatedly attacked Senator McCain. Don't you know anything about basic journalism? This is the worst case of journalism I've seen in, in, in my entire life. My entire life, I haven't seen an article like this. In March, Mr. Trump complained that he hadn't been thanked for giving McCain. Well, wait a second. He wasn't the first one to bring up that issue. John McCain's family was about the kind of funeral he wanted. He was responding to that. They never mentioned that. I'm kind, this, is, this, is, this article is designed to stir up the American public once again and divide America. We have to stop playing into it. We have to stop buying into these fake news stories. It's a true story. There were tarps. There was a barge. There was they didn't. They were trying to dis decide what to do with the, the USS John McCain, but then they take it and they paint this narrative of a crazy guy in the White House. Be aware of it. Stop. You know, thinking the worst thing of everybody. And they went into John McCain's record and his five and a half years as prisoner of war. And ever and throughout the entire article, they say, this is what Trump said about John McCain. This is what Trump, see, 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 Donald Trump's not a good person. See, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of America getting to this point of dividing ourselves over what? What is at the core of this? Hillary Clinton lost. A woman's scorn. That's what it's all about. We're better than that. The United States of America is better than that. We should be smart enough and bold enough to say, no, time has passed. Every person who has lost as president passed has done that. My time's over. I gave it my chest shot. America needs to move on. America needs to move on now. 
We need to start focusing on major problems that are facing this nation, both here and abroad. $22 trillion in debt, enemies at our gates, swarms of people coming into this country illegally needs to be addressed. And you can address it from either the right or the left wing. You can have different solutions to the problem. But we all need to be on board with this and stop with this. He said, she said, Donald Trump's not a good person. He needs to be out of office. It has nothing to do with my personal like of Donald Trump or any relationship. It has everything to do, everything to do with America and being a solid country again. And if you think it will end when Trump leaves office, you're sadly mistaken. Because as I told you, the division in society is how we're raising our kids. We're out of time for today. I hope you enjoyed today's show. As with every show, I try to provide you value and truthful analysis. I don't make hypotheticals up. I tell you how I feel or what I think and what the evidence I provide. Up to you to decide. Always double check my facts and Google me and correct me when I'm wrong. Take care, folks. Don't forget, we are a crowdfunded show. You can look us up and how to donate at patreon.com. Take care, folks. Have a good one. Dealer, I'm out of the game. If you are the